Welcome to the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Teams podcast, Why Language Matters. This podcast is meant to explore words, their meaning, and how we can use language to be inclusive. I want to welcome you all to Cultural Conversations. These conversations are a safe and respectful place for us to get to know other Sunrunners through learning about their culture and different lived experiences. It's a safe and respectful space to listen, learn, and engage by asking questions. And we do encourage you to ask questions and be respectful by, you know, raising your hand before you uh, unmute and speak. I'm Nicole Doyle. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm located in Orange County, California, and I'm the program lead on the diversity, inclusion, and belonging team. I'm just here to help moderate the Q&A at the end of our discussion here with Ro. I'm really excited to introduce you all to Ro. Uh, Ro Murdoch here, who will be the host of our conversation today. Ro has been a key diversity champion over the last year here at Sunrun, and they have helped us with our programming like Candid Conversations and Career Expos, as well as other bigger projects like adding pronouns into Workday and uh, soon to be into Salesforce. So really excited to introduce you all to Ro, and Ro, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, hey y'all, thanks for joining today. I'm Ro, my pronouns are they, them. I'm a field consultant in Denver and I've been with Sunrun for a little over two years. I joined this company along with many other ex-Tesla and SolarCity folks and have spent about four years in this industry. A lot of things attracted me to Sunrun when I first joined, but the value of the organization we work within has really crystallized for me over the past couple of months. And honestly, yesterday I wrote out this big, long overview of my history and details and stuff like that. And I realized last night that that would just be me focusing on the suffering that got me here, the bullying, the trauma, et cetera, like all the things that are of course there. Instead, I wanted to talk to you about the parts of who I am that helped me gain the insight and ultimately the joy I found in my transness. Plus a few little bits I feel are worth sharing. I'm no expert, but I've done a lot of thinking about this for a very long time and hopefully others can find some relation in what I share today. So I'll kind of go through just a brief overview and then we'll take kind of a quick break to see what sort of thoughts pop up and everything like that. But um, first, some quick background. So I was born in St. Petersburg, Florida, but moved to Waynesville, North Carolina shortly after I was born and ultimately grew up there. It was a privilege growing up in a place as beautiful as this. Living amongst the Blue Ridge Mountains solidified my need to always be very far away from anywhere vaguely similar to Flatland. There are worse places to grow up, but North Carolina had its issues, of course. After living in North Carolina for most of my life, I moved to Denver in September of 2017. And this is where things really got interesting in the past four years have been fundamental to creating the person that you see today as the role I performed faded, role I performed before faded into memory. I came out publicly as non-binary trans feminine during the last week of December, 2020. One of the benefits of 2020 was the ability to be quieter I've been able to introspect more than normal, and I was able to really understand myself in a more precise and accurate way. I spend my entire life trying to force myself into the category that society expects me to fit into. Our whole lives, we are subjected to varying degrees of programming to ensure that we are able to be labeled. Trying to fit into the labels that are forced upon me had gotten to the point that it was destroying me. And growing up in the South, I had no real choice but to assimilate myself as much as I could for the sake of not attracting attention to avoid bullying and just the general treatment of being an outsider, that being an outsider begets upon you. My adult life had been molded by this. I became extremely stoic, emotionless, and just generally angry. And when I moved away, I finally had the space to explore and understand this feeling that I had since I was young. 
I'm so thankful that I've been able to gain a more thorough understanding of myself over these past four years. It was something I've needed to come to terms with and embrace, otherwise I just wouldn't be here anymore. After 2020, I had to find a way to actually live because up until now, I'd just been making do. I don't wanna just feel the bare minimum of life anymore. I wanted to actually feel like I was alive for the first time in my life. So fast forwarding to now, uh, I took a four month like leave of absence from work uh, during like the first part of the year. So I am you know, definitely grateful that I work for a company that was able to give me the space to take that time because it was also a foundational piece to like what got me to this point now. And while I was gone, I really had a lot of anxiety about coming back because I am a field consultant. So I meet with customers face to face and i've had this underlying anxiety and fear about how people would react to me how it would impact my ability to deliver results for my role and all those sort of things and i kind of spiraled uh, when thinking about that where i was just terrified to return to work and go and meet with people because i was afraid of how they would react and what happened is i came back in june and i did a few consultations ran a few appointments I uh, just sort of manifested the courage to do it. Um, and then finally, after a handful of appointments, I realized something. I realized that the large majority of people that I'm meeting with here in Denver, which is like a relatively progressive place, have probably never interacted with a trans or gender nonconforming person in their lives. And if they did, it was only for like a brief moment or in passing or something like that. So never long enough to actually have a conversation and know that person. So when meeting with people, I could sense their discomfort because of the centuries old stigma around trans existence. And this is when things started to really crystallize for me. I realized that the opportunity that I have here at Sunrun is I've got a profound opportunity to change somebody's perception of me and others like me through the one-on-one -on -one conversation that I'm gonna have with them. So essentially I describe it as when I get to somebody's home nowadays, I metaphorically kick the door in and I just start establishing that I know what I'm talking about I'm the, and I'm there to add value and educate them on something that I think is important to them. And at the same time, they're able to get to know somebody who is visibly gender nonconforming and realize that I'm just another variation of humanity. And that really stuck out to me and made me realize that there's some degree of activism in the work that I'm doing now. And it's kind of an amazing privilege and opportunity to actually be able to meet with people and have this opportunity, because I can't think of any other, many other jobs at least, that would provide this sort of scenario where I can really have a conversation with somebody and they can get to know me, I can get to know them, and we can realize that we're both just human beings and we just have different variations of that same experience. So, Another interesting thing is since I started viewing my role with this philosophy, I've had a handful of customers confirm my theory. Um, for example, I'll tell a specific story. So I was meeting with a customer up in the mountains, up in Conifer, which is you know west of Denver, basically like up in the mountains, about an hour from Denver. And uh, they were a referral of mine. I go up there, meet with them. And I just walk up like normal, start talking to them. Um, underneath their porch, they've got some deer just sitting under their porch because they're up in the mountains. So that was kind of a wild experience. Um, I was within like 10 feet of them. They were just hanging out under the porch. Um, anyway, side note. But um, when I walk up there, I just start talking to them, you know, to start doing the normal thing. 
And we're just like outside sort of building rapport before we go inside. And after his wife goes inside to grab their checkbook to look for how much they've been paying for their utility bills, something like that is what she did. While she was gone, he makes a comment to me and he's like, you know, you're an interesting looking fella. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, uh, I know, um, I'm aware. <laughs> I didn't say that, I'm like paraphrasing. I think I said it better than that. But, um, and then from there, I just started seeing this, this expression of just like genuine curiosity. So his wife came back and um, he made some sort of comment about, you know, me transitioning, something like that. Cause like in that course of time, like I explained, you know, that I was like, yeah, in the process of like some form of transition of some kind. And they just became super receptive and curious about this experience because they'd never met anybody like me. And they told me that. They told me that I'm the first person that they've met. And that was when I really started leaning into this because that was just the tangible evidence that this is a real thing and that this is an effective way to approach this. So as a result, this sort of thinking has really been able, has really given me a lot of confidence just going into these appointments where, you know, two months ago I was mortified at going back into somebody's home because I didn't know who they were. I didn't know if there was somebody who was going to react violently because of all the rhetoric that's happening regarding trans people in the world this year. Um, this year, fun fact, this is there have been more anti-trans bills passed this year than any other year prior to now. So the rhetoric is certainly there, and there are a lot of people, a lot of negative voices out there. So that made me really anxious. But this made me realize that I had a lot of power in this opportunity and a lot of power to really influence people, at least like on a grassroots level, and start causing some sort of change in the way people perceive trans people. And um, that just became really important to me. And it's it's really been the one thing that I've taken to heart and been focused on as I go into these appointments, because I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about solar. But outside of that, I'm also doing something in addition to just educating them about solar. I'm also educating them about just the diversity of humanity. And uh, I don't know. It's a cool thing. And uh, that's really something that has stuck out to me since I've been back. So I guess with that, we can pause for a second. And I just want to see if anybody has any like thoughts or questions. Hey, Ro. I just wanted to, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and being open. I know that uh, for me personally, it definitely helps to um, hear other people's perspectives. And I do just have a question of, um, and maybe I'm jumping the gun, so let me know if I am, um, of if you have had any negative experiences with customers and how you try to handle that and how uh, we as your team members can help kind of mitigate that and, and lessen any kind of negative experience for others. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to control that. Like, what's your role in the company, Caitlin? Um, so I'm an employee engagement specialist. So I okay. am going to help um, kind of create a, a, a diverse, excuse me, an inclusive yeah. culture and, and trying to help educate others as well. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for joining, first off. I mean, I really appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, it's a big question, and I've like thought a lot about that where I, I don't really know. It's hard for us to like gauge who a customer is and like their beliefs and all those sort of things before we go into a house and meet them. Like a clean energy advisor in a retail store, it, it shouldn't be their responsibility to deal with a complex topic like this. That's kind of my like fundamental belief about this is like they they shouldn't have to deal with something that's complex like this. Like get the appointment and then let me kind of handle it from there. 
And I always have a conversation with a customer ahead of time. And I can typically feel out what the scenario is just based off of their general demeanor. And if I get like some weird vibes, maybe I'll pass it off to somebody else. Um, but most of the time, even if it's somebody who has a belief system that probably is the antithesis of mine and don't really support my identity or anything like that, I've had customers like that. Like I know for sure what their belief system was and I've still gone in there and I've still signed them. So it's, it's just like one of those things where I'm making these people kind of go through an exercise internally because they're having to, you know, I'm in their living room or their kitchen, just sitting there talking to them and I'm just acting normal. And if they want to make it weird, then that's on them. Um, but I'm still going to talk to them and educate them and do what I was there to do. You know, I thank people for inviting me over and then I give them the education. And at the same time, like I know that they are probably sitting there with some degree of discomfort because they just have never interacted with somebody like me before. Um, so anyway, answer your question, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a big question and it's really hard because it's such a nuanced topic to like gauge these things on the front end. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, having conversations about safety with the employees, like how to manage these things, how to like be aware of your surroundings, all those sort of things, just to ensure that people have some backup if a situation like that arose. But I think that's gonna be few and far between, if not, you know, not at all happening basically. Um, but you never know. So I think it's just like a matter of conversation about safety and things like that. Good to see you. Um, excited yeah. to talk to you uh, later. Wanted to applaud you for powering through your uh, your fears and uh, and and finding success and uh, and leveraging uh, an opportunity to educate others. And uh, so it's just amazing um, that you're able to to do that and you found the the courage uh, to do that. So, and I, I'm just curious as far as your uh, do you feel like the anxiety uh, leading up to kind of getting getting back and getting started with work uh, was was wor you made it worse for yourself than what it what it actually is, or you know, since you're back there experiencing, it, or is it was it different? Yeah, I mean, the anxiety in a lot in most situations is you know of my own creation, and I realized that, and that's actually something I'll talk about here in a second is like how I kind of gained control of these things, but. It, it's a lot of just like the programming where I'm literally having to rewrite my brain to make myself not feel shame and anxiety for who I am. And it's challenging. It takes a lot of energy. Like I'm tired a lot because it just takes a lot of energy to, to be able to control my mind that effectively and keep these, these sort of thoughts at bay and keep, maintain that confidence and all these things that I've like found but it certainly takes a lot of energy because it's just, you're fighting back against these societal expectations. And like, for example, I can give you sort of a visual example, I guess, through a story. Um, when I first started really just presenting myself authentically in the world, uh, people stared at me out in public, whatever. Like I kind of knew it was gonna happen. And what they're doing by staring at me is trying to project that shame onto me by just like glaring at me. It's like, you deserve to feel shame. You deserve to feel that you, you aren't actually allowed to be here and exist within the society. You are an outsider. That's what the stairs are. 
And I realized that, and I started to like really introspect and think about that. And nowadays, when I see somebody do that, I just stare back and I hold very aggressive, direct eye contact. And they'll look away and then they look back and I'm still holding eye contact. <laughs> and then they start to, like I see their expression change where they start to really reflect on like what they're doing. And I think it's just another exercise that I have an ability to like quickly, you know, make people kind of deal with. Um, because they aren't gonna like have a conversation with me and like let me explain the nuance of this topic. Like I'd have to have more than an hour, like even today isn't gonna be enough time. But at the very least, I can make it aware, make them aware that I'm aware of them and like what they're trying to do by projecting that shame onto me. It still takes a lot of energy though. So, I mean, the anxiety is certainly like of my own creation, but also it's just like a product of like the world that we live in, where the world, the, the society we live in wants me to feel anxious and wants me to feel shame and feel like I don't have a place. And I, I've just decided that I am gonna carve out that space for myself. And that alone takes energy too. And that's why like allyship is really something that's of significant value with these sort of things where it's, it's a battle and having some backup with that fight is helpful in any scenario that requires some degree of allyship. And this is just another one of those scenarios. Um, so yeah, that, that's sort of my thoughts on just like the, the anxiety part of things. I overly explain, so I always like give a very long answer to most things. <laughs> That's perfect. I like it. Cool. Cool. Well, good deal. Hey, Ro, I have one, uh, one quick question. I know um, back when you came out to the team, I thought that was really brave. And I think something that you said to me kind of stood out in that I think, you know, most, most hetero people really just don't have any like true exposure uh, to people in your community. Um, I think what a lot of us are more curious about is like some of the actionable ways uh, to be a better ally, especially as hetero men and women. Um, yeah. You know, what are some of the things that, you know, might maybe not bother you, but some of the things that, you know, definitely hurt. And what are some of the ways that hetero people can just be a better ally uh, to the transition community? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So thanks for bringing that up, Jamie. Um, yeah, I actually have some resources here at the end of my slide deck that I was gonna just you know share for everybody of just how to be an ally. I'm no expert in this topic and it changes based off the person. So it's just a matter of having a conversation. I think if we normalize just introducing ourselves, like of course, like we all know each other's pronouns for the most part, like at least all of my coworkers, but you know, meeting somebody new, like you know, partaking in the exercise of like introducing yourself and not necessarily assuming somebody's pronouns because you may meet somebody that uh, has pronouns that might be unexpected to quote some verbiage that Nicole and I have been using. <laughs> um, and I think that's an effective way to sort of encapsulate it where, you know, there are these default assumptions that we make based off somebody's physical appearance, but that might not actually reflect the pronouns that they prefer. Um, so I think that is a good starting point. Um, I think also just understanding like doing some research on like the vocabulary and i think some of my resources that i linked get into some of that too so like when mentioning a hetero person that would be talking about like somebody's sexuality and then with gender identity that's like a second pillar of the lgbt community where you've got the sexuality part of things and the gender identity part of things essentially where the gender identity so like somebody who is comfortable in their gender identity that was assigned to them at birth is somebody who is cisgender. 
and then somebody who doesn't necessarily align with their uh, gender identity assigned at birth, that would be somebody who's like transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming. There's a lot of different verbiage out there. Um, but that's like a basic kind of overview. So I think just, you know, seeking uh, the knowledge and trying to like do a little bit of reading and stuff like that, just to know the basics and like I'll link some of these resources and I think that they are really helpful. Um, I don't know, listen to trans voices. There's a lot of trans voices out there that I've also linked within the resources too that I think are people that are really exceptional. One of which is somebody who does philosophy videos on YouTube. She came out as trans earlier this year and I, I just learn something every time. And in a lot of cases, it's from the perspective of a trans identity as well. Um, so yeah, I would say look into a lot of those things you know, start adapting to introducing yourself to like somebody new and including your pronouns, like at least in a workspace, something like that. Um, I think that that's a helpful exercise that sort of builds a foundation for like a, my, a more diverse and inclusive company moving forward also. Awesome, I learned something. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for asking. Cool. <laughs> So let me just dive into the last two things I really wanted to talk about. The first one is something just called the spiral staircase. Um, and I wanted to kind of keep it vague as I sort of talk about this. So I've been going to therapy for pretty much the past three-ish years, something like that. Um, when I was still working at Tesla, I went to therapy, uh, I don't know, a handful of times, didn't really vibe well with that therapist. And then after coming to Sunrun, um, a friend of mine, a colleague that's actually on this call right now, I'm not going to call them out, but they were a huge force in getting me connected with a therapist who has been significantly helpful in this process. I'm a big fan of therapy and I think everybody can benefit from therapy. So I wanted to have this conversation just to further try to normalize some of that too, because I think it is beneficial for everybody. There's something we need to talk about no matter who we are, and it's good to have a space to talk about those things. I think we just become stronger people by, by entering into that sort of exercise in the first place. One thing that my therapist always brought up um, throughout my anxieties, like over the past two years of like committing to, you know, coming out and like being honest and open and authentic and just like finally embracing some form of happiness and like stability with my life. I got really nervous because I would make progress and then I would feel like I lost all that progress just because of you know something occurring and she always describes it as the spiral staircase like that's the best visual analogy to really explain this where it's not a linear path it's not just like constant progress there's like always give and take with it um like yeah I've made a lot of progress like I was talking about before with just like confidence and things like that but it takes a lot of energy and sometimes I revert back and start to kind of spiral and you know, the negative parts of uh, my, my feelings sort of come back and the anxieties and stuff like that. So I really just wanted to hit on this because I feel like that that is a concept that can kind of apply to everybody where all the progress we try to make, there's always gonna be things that set us back in some way, but there's still progress being made. It's all cumulative. Maybe it's not like as distinct or obvious, but it's all cumulative. And my therapist specifically has been just a force in getting me to this point and helping me kind of reflect back and keeping me like on track with what I've done and reminding me of these things. And that's why I think it's just so valuable to really talk about these things in the first place. 
because it is just so profoundly helpful to have somebody to kind of push you along outside of just like friends or family. Uh, I think it's helpful to have somebody really, you know, be there to kind of help you reflect on things too. So I really just wanted to mention that and um, yeah, just open it up again and see if anybody has any like thoughts or experiences with therapy, you know, anything related to this at all. Yeah, I was just going to say, Ro, that um, I agree that I think everyone can benefit from therapy. It doesn't matter who you are, or, you know, what your history is, if you feel like you've had the perfect upbringing or anything like that. Like there's all kinds of opportunity uh, in, like you said, a safe space to just talk freely with someone. Um, so I, I support that. And uh, I think everyone should should seek it out. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's something that should be normalized. It's another stigmatized thing where it's just like, oh, mental health, mental health, whatever. It's like, no, like it's it's profoundly important. And like, I definitely definitely realized that after last year, of course, where it's it's something that everybody can benefit, especially nowadays. Um, so yeah, big fan of therapy. Definitely recommend it. Uh, 10 out of 10, for sure. <laughs> yeah, if you think about it, um, if you don't have a healthy mind, you can't really do anything at that yeah. point i mean you could be physically fit but with your mind that's not not healthy then it, it really throws you off where the opposite could be you could be completely immobilized but if you have a healthy mind then um you know you, you can live outside that those restrictions so it's it's uh, very important most important yeah mental health care is health care just like going to the doctor same thing um and it's just as impactful as like keeping your body healthy you also have to keep your mind healthy and clear and, um, you know, there's always things that can be worked through. And I think that that's a good avenue to sort of help with the things that come from being a human being in general. Cool. Well, the last thing, let me see here. So we started off this conversation uh, getting real nerdy and starting off with the vibe of some Star Trek music, which, you know, definitely sets a mood. Um, I am a big old nerd. And <laughs> I used to really view that word negatively and as kind of a derogatory term. It's just like very dismissive and stuff like that. Like, oh, what a nerd, you know, all those kind of things. But it's like, you know, I've kind of reclaimed it and like found some comfort in that. And I know Star Trek seems kind of out of nowhere to talk about with this, but that's another foundational piece of what got me to this point. So I've always been a Star Trek fan, and there's been two or three times where I've gone back and revisited, you know, some of the older shows and stuff like that, just like all the content that's out there. And when I came out, somebody reminded me of this philosophy that is baked into Star Trek as the foundation of that show. And it's a philosophy called infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And like within the canon of the show, the Vulcans, the pointy ear people, that's like their core cultural philosophy is infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And to kind of encapsulate the meaning of that, this quote here is sort of a better way to describe this. Until humans learn to tolerate, no, that's not enough to positively value each other. Until we can value the diversity here on earth, then we don't deserve to go into outer space and encounter the infinite diversity that's out there. And I think that that's a really good encapsulation of this. So I've really started to identify with just Star Trek in general, because I started to realize that it's more than just like a you know goofy sci-fi show. 
it's actually a platform to have these conversations and present a version of humanity where we embrace this diversity. So the first show, the original show from the 60s, there was a black woman that was on the show and she was like part of the bridge crew. Nichelle Nichols is her actual name. Um, she was the first like prominent person of color that was on the television screen back then. And it of course got a lot of critique during that era. Um, and she almost quit the show because of like how much criticism she was getting and they were getting. And Martin Luther King Jr. actually reached out to her directly and was like, no, like you have to take advantage of this opportunity and this platform you have to really influence change moving forward because you are going to have a profound impact by just being there, by just being visible. And I related to that. And then I started to realize that Star Trek is just a platform. It's an avenue to have these conversations. So most recently, uh, this most recent season of Star Trek Discovery, excellent show. It's the first like starting off point you feel like getting into Star Trek. It's very easy to get into and it's super good. Anyway, <laughs> they also introduced uh, non-binary trans characters prominently in the show. And that representation is 40% of the equation that got me to the point of coming out in December when I did. And there's a lot of history around representation of trans people in general, where we've been presented within fiction and stuff like that as the villain or something to be feared. That's generally been the way that a trans character is presented in media kind of leading up to like the recent past couple of years. There's a Netflix documentary called Disclosure that I absolutely recommend, and it's a full overview of just uh, representation in general. And this is another thing that I'm really passionate about because trans representation and representation of all parts of like the diversity of humanity, it's so profoundly impactful. And you hear these conversations around like, oh, like, you know, what's the point of like throwing a trans character or a gay character into the, into the TV show or whatever the situation is. And, you know, people describe it as like shoving these ideals down their throats and all these sort of things. But that is actually life-saving for people. Somebody who can see themselves, even in a piece of fiction like Star Trek, has an impact and makes you feel like you belong because you can see yourself within an environment where that character belongs. And that's the value of representation. And Star Trek continues to be something more profound to me than just like a piece of fiction, where it really is a conduit to influence change in the world. And I always describe our future as having two different avenues. We can either choose to create the Star Trek future, or we can choose to create the Mad Max future. It's like, make your choice here, really. Um, one of them obviously seems better than the other one. And that's always like my quick way to sort of encapsulate the path that we're on right now. And the impact that some of these subtle changes can make just by embracing the diversity and trying to grow as a species. And that's entirely what Gene Roddenberry was trying to do when he created Star Trek. So very progressive person, somebody who was extremely forward thinking and just lived and embodied the infinite diversity and infinite combinations philosophy. And uh, that's why I think it's really worth mentioning this because it has had such a profound impact on me. And I hope that others can kind of relate to that too. Um, and I always encourage people to check out Star Trek because it, it's more than 
just a goofy sci-fi show. It's it's way more than that for sure. Um, so I can stop there again and see you know what thoughts are out there. Hey, Kathy. Hey, Ro. Thank you again so much for hosting this. Uh, my question to you be would be first. When you look back at your personal journey from you know childhood to now, when you think about the time that you were the most conflicted or most confused, if you could time travel back and speak to that person, what would you say to encourage them and, and help them with their journey? Yeah, I mean, I guess the first thing I would tell myself is to just take the chance. Like the longer you wait, the longer you waste that time. Um, this is making me kind of emotional. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I wish I had been in an environment where I could have embraced this sooner. I wasn't. Um, at least when I moved to Denver, I was able to really kind of feel like I was in a safer environment at least. Whereas like growing up in the South, it's not the most accepting place. Um, there are people there that are doing the work and the activism to help change things there. And like, I applaud them. I, I just didn't have the ability to do that there because I had to kind of find myself first. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I mean, I guess, I would just go back and tell myself to take a chance. Um, I mean, that colleague of mine that's on this call right now was one of the forces that really pushed me to just take that chance. So sometimes it's really just somebody outside of yourself pushing you. Um, they they self-describe as the Jewish mother and sort of taking that approach. And just pushing you and just telling you just do it like stop thinking about it and just do it and that's kind of what's needed because otherwise the fear will just freeze you in place um and i think the human condition is we're so afraid of change and authenticity and like taking a risk and i've realized that through this process like it's worth it to take those chances. Thank you so much for sharing, Ro. Yeah. Hey, Abigail. Hi, um, you can call me Abby. Um, oh, okay. I, <laughs> something that really stuck out to me um, in your conversation is how you said you had opportunity for activism at work. And I thought that was really beautiful. And I want to ask you um, how you overcame the anxiety to do that, to take that step forward in saying, yes, I'm going to be an activist and I'm going to show up and make some change at work. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. I mean, it's something that was necessary. Um, like when going into the appointments, that was tough at first. And what I had to do is just realize that I knew what I was talking about and I had the confidence and I was comfortable in my identity and the anxiety that I was feeling was just the anxiety of others being projected on me. So it's a matter of like really thinking through the layers of that experience. Um, I mean, I, I just started to realize that, yeah, we, we work for a company that's progressive and supportive, but there are always going to be changes that need to be made. 
And that's why like the first thing that I really noticed within the company is like, we need a way to bake pronouns into Salesforce, just like at a starting point. Um, everything that we do for the most part is within Salesforce. So like we need to be able to know how to interact with each other because some of our colleagues may have pronouns that are unexpected. Um, so I, I just realized that there are these gaps and these things that could be better. And I realized that through what I'm doing in appointments with customers and what I want to do within the company itself is just take this opportunity to build a foundation to make things like this easier for people that come after me that are trans or gender nonconforming or anything. Um, I always use the example that two years ago when I joined this company, if, if I was asked by Workday or Salesforce, what are your preferred pronouns? If that was there, if that conversation was happening, even on the software side, or within meetings where we were introducing ourselves with pronouns, whatever, if that was part of our culture back then, I would have come out two years ago without question. And that's why I think it's so important because I know that I'm better and I'm a better contributor to Sunrun through my authenticity. I, I've been able to like find more of an ability to provide value within the company and for myself. And it took a lot, of, a lot of energy to get there, but like there's so much time that was wasted where I wasn't able to be at like full capacity or however you'd want to describe it. Um, because I had all these things I was dealing with and I was anxious about like how, you know, work would handle it and all these sort of things that like I was spiraling thinking about. And that's why I think it's so important to have forms of representation outside of the company and even inside of the company because it has a profound impact where literally, not even exaggerating, two years ago I would have come out and I wouldn't have spent all this time waffling and trying to decide if it was worth it. I would have just done it because I felt like I was seen or I would be seen. And I think that's the power of just like making these changes within the company and also outside in your personal life as well. I think it's, it's, it's a way to make people who have these internalized feelings of shame and anxiety make them feel comfortable and valid in their identity because you know we are able to forge our own path but we're told that we can't but that is certainly something that's like within our power we can define who we are we're not defined by anybody else and i think that's what these exercises allow us to do within the company is we're able to create an environment where people can be the best versions of themselves fully and even people outside in your personal life can do the same. They can show up authentically and be authentic and be the true versions of themselves. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story. You're welcome. Thanks. Hey, Kathy. I have another question, the question asker. Um, so you're an FSC. I, I've been an FSC, and um, you know it's it's so interest. It's an interesting environment because there's you have all these like conversations that you wouldn't normally have with strangers, and it's enlightening at times. And I would catch myself, you know, especially recently, if someone is says something that's not gender inclusive to me, and they'll, they might say like, "You're a smart young little lady," or like, "You know how you gals are." 
And there's a part of me that wants to correct it. And, and sometimes I do, and I, I think that I do. Is that something that you deal with? Like the example that you gave where the guys, you know, the, the person said, um, you know, something, something fella, right? How do you, what do you do in those situations? Yeah, I mean, this is another thing I've thought a lot about where more or less, like I'll, I show up and I have my sunburn shirt on and I've got a pronouns pin that says, please use they, them pronouns or something like that. Um, everybody ignores it. Nobody pays attention to it just by default, unless it's somebody who's like really surprising me. I've had like two or three customers that have like adjusted and like I've thanked them. I'm like you are like some of the first people to acknowledge this. So thank you for doing that. That makes a big impact. So thank you. But for the most part, and I think because of a lot of the like generational aspect of things, um, I think people just see me as a gay man. And I've tried to think through how to handle that. And like, is it worth having the conversation and them potentially interpreting it as me being abrasive by saying, oh no, like I'm actually non-binary and I use they them pronouns. It's, it's like, we have such a brief interaction with people, even though it's like a one or two hour conversation. It's like, is it worth the fight right now? And I don't like that answer. I feel like I'm giving in to it and I wish I had a better way to navigate it, but I don't. Um, I've realized that like, you know, whatever, I'm just gonna like go through this and like sort of turn off the part of my brain that's like being impacted by them saying that, by saying he and everything like that while I'm in their in the appointment with them. Um, it still is harmful but it's just a matter of like, okay, it's easier to just like not get into it with somebody and potentially that become like a negative interaction. It's easier to just stay the course and just continue educating them and you know, knowing that I'm confident in my identity and then just moving on afterwards. Um, but I still do kind of hate that I have to do that, but I've yet to discover a better avenue. Thank you. It is inspiring to hear that people are respecting it, that they are, you know, catching it live as it happens and and that they're, you know, the, the world is progressing. Sometimes it feels like it's not, it is. And it's those people that just, you know, warms your heart. No, absolutely. Like it, it caught me off guard the first couple of times where I was like, whoa, like they just referred to me as they. That is interesting. And um, yeah, you know, it's, it's always like a much better conversation after that too. And I feel more comfortable and they feel more comfortable and like we're more in sync. Whereas other people are, you know, kind of uncomfortable with me being there, but still, you know, warm up over time. Um, it just makes a more coherent conversation when like there's mutual respect happening. It's like, it's a transaction. It's a transaction of respect. Like I go in there and I respect people, but when they respect me back, we unlock like some benefit in that conversation just by like really being able to understand each other. And Nick, I know you had a hand up. Yeah. I first of all, I just the transaction, the unlock, the conduit, like you're you're just I love your vocabulary and I love <laughs> how you describe things throughout. Um, but just kind of piggybacking off of off of Kathy's question, you know, I'm I'm sure there's, you know, just by the nature of what you do, you're alone going in, you know, to other people's homes. Um, and so those interactions, you know, you're you know, going to have to deal with them solo. But in those instances where you do have allies around or other people around, and that kind of a situation might unfold, is there anything that allies could do in that type of a situation? Or, you know, what could we do um, 
to kind of step in and and help and not you know run to your defense right because I, I don't think that's what you need but it's it's a true ally where um you know, if, if I hear somebody having a microaggression towards somebody else, it's almost if I'm a true ally, it's almost as if that's happening to me. Right. And so it's like, how do you help help each other? But yeah, is, is there is there anything that we could do? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's another like difficult thing that just takes practice to get good at and effective at. Um, but, you know, it's just backing up the people you care about. And I think one thing so like if somebody referred to me as he in public, in a lot of cases, I kind of freeze and don't know how to react. I just sort of freeze up. So having somebody chime in and be like, oh no, Ro uses they, them pronouns, just quickly, something like that. Like, I think that's great and effective. And like, that makes people realize like, oh yeah, you're totally right, I knew that, I'm sorry. Um, and like, in conversation, if like somebody was talking to me and they mess up, all I ever really expect is for somebody to just like catch it, correct themselves and move on. Like there's no need to fixate on it and like make a big deal out of it. Like I've had people react, be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, we used the wrong pronouns. Oh my God. And, they, and it, it becomes this big deal where the spotlight is on the mistake. And it's like, no, all you need to do, like don't overthink it. All you need to do is just say, oh, I'm sorry, them, and then move on. And that's it, because then I know that you have acknowledged me and you respect me just like I respect you. And that's all I ever expect. And I feel like that's a really easy adjustment to make. Yeah, using singular they pronouns like takes some mental gymnastics in a lot of cases. Like I dealt with that also, but you start to build those grooves in your brain over time. And I think it's a good exercise in general. Like it helps you use that muscle in a unique way just by learning how to use vocabulary in a new way because vocabulary does evolve as time goes on. It is not static. It does continue to evolve. There's history of this for centuries. Um, so yeah, I think, when it comes to allyship, it's just a matter of like, you know, correcting yourself quickly or, you know, chiming in on my behalf like that helps me for profoundly. And it, it really does make an impact. Hey, buddy. Hey, Ro, I just wanted to say this was amazing. <laughs> and I love that you touched upon representation. I think that was such a huge thing to uh, highlight and like just having more people that represent your group is really powerful in an organization. And then of course, I love that you've touched upon mental health and uh, normalizing therapy. I think that's massive. Everyone has something that they're going through, even if they're not having trouble acknowledging it and having that safe space to talk about it is so crucial to our development as humans, our mental health, as well as how we interact with others in the world. So kudos to you for mentioning that. And then of course, love that you, in answering Nick's question, went into detail on how to handle making the mistake of using the wrong pronouns. I think that's really insightful. And I think that will be really beneficial to all of us who are one are, are currently allies or at least want to be allies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really sort of the approach is just, you know, if, if you mess up, like it's, it's all good, you know, to correct yourself and move on. Like that's, that's all anybody really wants. Um, and then over time it becomes just the default and you start to build that new pathway in your brain as time goes on. And hey, Jackie. Oops, sorry, I don't, did, was there something else I, that somebody else had wanted to finish saying? I thought there was another. All set, Jackie, go ahead. 
Okay, cool. <laughs> um, hey, Ro, um, I'm, I'm super excited to be a part of this. Um, a couple of things that, that I do want to share. Um, so I actually, I've been with Sunren for, for over five years. Love, love, love Sunren. Love the diversity here. Love everything about it. I just trans transitioned over to the uh, concierge team, but I've been in the PC department. I was there for, for over five years. Um, I was a PC supervisor and I actually onboarded a... Um, one of our Altna project coordinators, and she's actually um, transgender. And we had, I'm not going to lie, a hell of a time trying to get uh, her onboarded because uh, her name is Kenneth. Um, and she goes by Ka uh, by Kim. And uh, legally, her name obviously is Kenneth. Um, and um, we could not, for the life of us, get her email changed. Mm -hmm. um, so customers were getting emails from her, um, and her email is Kenneth, but she would call and introduce herself, send those emails, and she would say, my name is Kim. And, and this would confuse customers. This was a very, very big challenge for us. So, um, you know, kudos to, to, to you and and to Kim and um, you know the, these are it's it's very challenging when you have these customers that um, they're they're difficult to work with they're not understanding um, they just they ask they ask questions and they don't like the answers um, a lot of times right so you know Sunrun worked. Um, worked with us to get a lot of things changed for her. Unfortunately, you know, there were some things we could not change, but I know Sunrun's working on that. So that, that's what one thing I love about um, Sunrun. One of my questions though um, is saying, you know, that I, I did work in the, in the PC department for so long is, you know, we work with sales reps day in and day out, right? And, um, we don't we don't get to really see you guys we don't get to really you know have these conversations um and, and get to know you guys you know on a personal level get to know everybody on a personal level so as um you know a, a project coordinator and i'm having a relationship with somebody you know i might um you know talk to you on the phone but i'm not i'm not going to know you and um you know, somebody might say, you know, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, or, um, or, you know, it might be a G chat and it might see a picture and, you know, it might be like, you know, Ryan might be on the, uh, you know, there and I might see a picture. And so I'm going to say, you know, Hey Ryan, yes, sir. Or, you know, whatever it might be, how would you correct that? Or how would you have a PC or somebody else that you are actually communicating with vocally, um, or, you know, that you are working with, um, daily, you know, how would you correct that situation or how would you, um, you know, work with that department or that team? So, you know, the, they aren't making those mistakes or, um, you know, I guess, you know, going by the, the, the correct, you know, verbiage or, or whatever it might be. Does that make sense? Um, because you are working with these people on a daily basis. Yeah, totally. And uh, I am so thankful that you've asked this. Um, first off, has Kim gotten her email changed? Uh, so, um, unfortunately, no, it never did happen. Um, and, um, okay, that's, that is we, good to know. Will, that <laughs> needs to be taken care of. That is something that is not acceptable. Like, yeah, we, right. we got to change that, and there are ways to do it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say when it comes to interacting with 
like people within the company, that's entirely what uh, Nick and I have been working on is just pronouns integration into Salesforce. Salesforce has the functionality. We just need to essentially enable it, basically. Um, there's more work than that. But more or less, we need to know how to interact with each other. And that's what I mean by like people, you know, having unexpected pronouns. Like, I don't want to be called sir. Um, but you won't know that unless you like know who I am or like know that I identify as non-binary. And like, how do we communicate that across the company when we interact with each other? And that's like bare minimum, like why pronouns are so important because we are interacting with each other within the company. Like, for example, I've had uh, inside sales setter set an appointment for me. Like they're talking to the customer on the phone and then they set the appointment for me. And they're like, okay, Rose, your consultant, and he will be out to your house at this time and this time. I'm like, ah, Jesus. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, they didn't know. So it's not their fault. It's just there's no way to translate that information. So I think it comes with providing the information and translating the information across the company and making it very easy and obvious and prominent. And then secondly, I think it comes with training and coaching. I think just having the conversations like, that this is something else that's like been in the back of my mind to like work through is like some sort of HR backed uh, training of some kind to just like help educate people on like trans identities and the trans identities that we work amongst at Sunrun. And I think that that's also important because even within the company, there are people who have probably never interacted with a trans person before. Um, so I had the same problem when I came back to work is I spent like two weeks just trying to like, rebrand myself within the system where I was getting rid of old emails because my, you know, dead name, which would be like the phrase to call like somebody's prior name, um, never really good to like say the name necessarily, but just like call it their past name or their dead name or something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it took some effort because there's no, no guide of how to do it. Um, thankfully, like I was able to kind of navigate and identify like where a lot of this information comes from and make these changes. Um, and that's another thing I'm going to work on also is creating just how to guides of how to, you know, change your preferred name and workday, which you can do like my legal dead name or whatever is still within workday, um, because I haven't changed anything legally, but my preferred name is updated. So everything that shows up within Salesforce or that's sent to customers shows my preferred name. And then I also set up a new email that is not going to show my prior dead name essentially. So. It's not easy, it's not super hard, but it's also complicated and there's a lot of layers to it. So it's a matter of identifying these things and changing them. And I've pretty much identified how to change all the things related to just how Salesforce shows us to like within the company and how it also shows us like when we uh, send an email to customers or a proposal or something like that, like all that stuff is now accurate and it's definitely changeable. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Some kind of training or something um, in Salesforce because, you know, like I said, we're talking to customers every day. And, um, you know, if one of my, you know, PCs, you know, we're going to be reaching out to, you know, your customers and we're going to be telling your customers, you know, yeah, we'll have him get in contact with you. We'll have him call you back or I will reach out to him or he will be there um, because they're not going to know, right? The, the project coordinators are not going to know or, you know, will, you know, or just anybody, right? Um, like you you had mentioned, you know, the, the field coordinators or anybody, they're, they're not going to know. So, um, 
yeah, I, I definitely think some kind of education or something in the system would definitely be helpful. Otherwise, we're, we're just going to continue referring to, um, you know, our coworkers in a certain type of way. If that's, you know, and that's not how you identify, we're going to be, um, you know, the, the cause of, of that. So it, we're going to be confusing our customers ultimately. Yeah, and I think that's why it's better to know on the front end and make sure that this information is just prominent. It's Absolutely. right there. So like when somebody calls one of my customers, like this is an example that I've used in some of the, the work that we're doing with Salesforce devs and trying to like get this information together is talking about like, yeah, project coordinators are reaching out to our customers and they're saying, oh yeah, Roe is your consultant and they're probably misgendering me because they don't yeah. know better. They don't have the yep. information. So we, we've got to do it. We've got to make this adjustments. We've got, we've got to make this information prominent because it is so core to what we do. We, we communicate with people. We aren't selling anything. We're, we're here communicating and educating in all aspects of like whatever role you're in. And that's why the language does indeed matter, like the podcast is called. And um, that, that's really the value of this. Um, and uh, to that same point, I want to show something really quick. Let me go to this link. I know we're over time, but if you all are good, I'm good. <laughs> uh, here we go. So slight trigger warning uh, for suicide and everything, but this is what we get when we use the correct pronouns for somebody. There is a significant decrease in the risk of mental health challenges or suicide with people. And that applies to our coworkers as well or anybody else. This is the transactional value. This is what we get in return for making this effort. Like there, it's, it's life-saving. It actually is um, because we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about the trauma that comes along with even a little microaggression like that. So that's why I really wanted to point this out while tying it to this conversation, just to show this is the tangible value of doing this work. So sorry to derail us uh, and show that, but I, I felt like that that was beneficial. Um, and really quick, Ryan, uh, can you elaborate? What do you mean by script or email template? Yeah, I mean, just like uh, something that is already preset um, email, like an update, you know, for uh, for their process along the way that is already pre-written or is it, uh, do we not have anything like that? as far as like communicating to the homeowner, um, you know, your consultant will reach out, uh, anything that's already pre-written or, or or not, nothing scripted. I can, I mean, like as far as like on the project coordination side, I know that there is, um, there are templates that go out, but, um, I know that they don't follow them once they're more tenured. They're not, they're not being followed anymore. Um, and honestly, people are going to look at a name um, or a picture and they're just going to assume, right? Um, I think that's kind of, that's just kind of what we all are used to doing, um, unfortunately, right? Um, and so you're just going to, you're going to just look at somebody. You're going to just see a name. Like I, I see a name, Chris, right? I mean, my mother-in-law's name is Chris, but I look at the name Chris and I'm just like, well, that's a dude, right? Um, it's just assumed, unfortunately. So you, you know, you're like, well, Chris is is your sales rep and he's going to be out there. 
Um, I think that's kind of just something that they do or, or you see a picture and, and, or you talk to somebody on the phone one time. And, um, I've talked to plenty of women on the phone that have very, very masculine voices. Right. And so I, I've many, many times said, thank you, ma'am, when I should have said, thank you, sir. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's scripts, there's emails, um, but they, they, they just, you know, they're not always followed, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, with the scripts, I think it's just a matter of like, if they're not using them, it's just a matter of having the conversation around, you know, not necessarily assuming somebody's pronouns. Um, another example I could use really quick, I actually had a cisgender coworker of mine who just moved to another part of the company and her name was Jordan. And I heard about some concerns that she voiced related to, you know, being misgendered in her own experience through inside sales setters and stuff like that, like kind of the same scenarios. So it doesn't even just apply to trans people. Like you said, like uh, somebody named Chris that you know, like the, the situation applies to cisgender people as well. So it's just a matter of like being able to communicate effectively and avoid having to like re-explain something to a customer or whatever. This just sets us all up for success by making this adjustment. Hey, Caitlin. Hi, I just wanted to um, also ask if you have maybe a resource, maybe it's listed here, um, on some inclusive language that we can use. I, I did recognize that you used y'all at the beginning of this. Love that because I'm from Texas. Yep. Um, but especially language that has been um, very traditionally um, gender conforming, like sister or brother or mother, um, things like that, and how we can um, be more inclusive of of our coworkers and our family members. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a matter of like identifying the vocabulary that we use and then just like trying to think through it. Like I used to say, you know, thanks, man, all the time. It was just like part of my vocabulary. And now I've started saying, like when talking to like a coworker, like I'll say, thanks, pal, or something like that. Like something really chill, but also gender neutral. Um, and I think it's just a matter of like kind of reworking how like an individual communicates and like really thinking critically about some of the language that we use that is potentially gendered and trying to adjust it. Like, you know, I don't like people saying, hey man, to me necessarily, not a huge deal, but it's like not the best. So I'm trying to like set an example by just adjusting my own language because I'm dealing with the same thing, trying to like reprogram my brain and some of the default vocabulary and filler words that I use that are generally gendered in some way. So I think it just applies like differently based off of like what sort of language you use in general. Um, but I know I do have some resources on here that talk about like how to be, you know, an ally within work and just like inclusive language, things like that. Um, and I, I think it's just a matter of trying to make those adjustments by just looking at, you know, how you communicate in the first place. Thank you so much. Yeah. One more thing I'll mention really quick. I do want to point you all to this video, Identity of Trans Coming Out Story. This is that uh, philosophy YouTube channel, and she made this video when she came out. And this is why I didn't really want to go through like a big overview of my history leading up to now. That is a much better and more eloquent representation of the trans coming out experience than I could ever provide. So I definitely encourage you spend the 30 or 40 minutes and just watch it. She is hyper intelligent and she has this, you know, profound philosophy degree. And she's just, she started this YouTube channel to give it away for free, basically, um, was kind of the idea. Uh, she's based in the UK where there's a lot of resistance to trans people as well. 
Um, arguably a worse scenario than the US. There are some issues out there. Um, but watch it. It's great. And it really provides a lot of insight to just the trans experience and the coming out experience and all those sort of things that I didn't necessarily hit on specifically. So I know we're over uh, and I see people dropping off, which is understandable. <laughs> but uh, this has been a great conversation. So I really do thank you all for joining. I had a lot of anxiety about this, honestly, but this was incredible for me too. So I hope it was helpful for you all. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Thank you.